fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolf Pack, what's going on? Your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to have on now for the fifth time, truly, genuinely my favorite analyst in the game uh, for many, many reasons, but especially because of the big brain he's got, Mr. Scott Barrett. He's formerly of PFF, their senior analyst there, but has since moved as a co-owner and director of data analysts at my personal favorite, Fantasy Points, over there where you can find some of his great and classic stats and metrics, such as weighted opportunity, amazing articles like 96 Stats to Know, the Bell Cow Report, uh, and just so many other great ones, including the series we're going to dive into tonight. That's Mr. Scott Barrett. How are you doing, brother? So pumped to see you again. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, just cranked out six massive articles. Uh, and like, what a relief that is, you know, when I'm yeah. halfway through the second article, I just want to kill myself and I, you know, you're stressed and you're anxious. I have so much more to write. Ah, but, uh, you know, just finished that up and it's just such a freeing feeling. Although I just started the bell cow report and that's going to be another week and a half of just writing up running backs. <laughs> Speaking of a bell cow right there, finishing your series and then right into dive, deep diving on that. Like that's you're the definition of an industry bell cow, my man. And that's why we love you. Uh, and this series that you've been working on is what we're going to dive into. The, uh, yeah, and, the- and I love coming on this show specifically because like you just get it, you get everything I'm talking about with those articles. So, you know, at the, to other people, the arbitrary definition of a workhorse versus a bell cow, you understand know what that means the implication so it's really easy always to come on the show and just talk to you about this these you know maybe not high level stuff but nuanced nuanced uh, discussions i appreciate that man and and it's because i'm a, i'm a disciple of mr barrett over here i can't i can't help it i've been reading your stuff for so long we've now as i said been been thrilled and lucky to have you on five times it's like an annual chat and i feel like it's been uh, almost like your fantasy muse in a way we've gotten some incredible league winners out of you Year in and year out. We have Lamar Jackson, Austin Eckler, Mark Andrews all in one year a couple of seasons ago. Last year, I mean, all top six quarterbacks that are entering drafts this year, we talked about all six of them. I, I re-listened today. You literally gave out like these six quarterbacks could be those one that jumped to the Mahomes level. And it was literally all six of them. You talked about Jonathan. T- I mean, it's it, there's a reason why it's such a great show every year. It's because you bring that incredible insight. We, we talk about the philosophy and all that good stuff. What makes a league winner, then give you the names. It's just always a great show. So I appreciate you saying that. Uh, but, man, I got to thank you, too. It was about this time, maybe a month or so ago last year, where you tweeted out, just kind of out of nowhere, my favorite fantasy football account under 2000 is Roto Street Wolf, and literally overnight it doubled. So, I mean, just obviously thanking you for the knowledge and insight I've gained from my approach, but the the growth in my account, you know, more than tripled now because of that. And so many great, beyond just the numbers, like I've been able to connect with Danny Kelly, Evan Silva, just some, like, great people through that. So genuinely, like from the bottom of my heart, I truly appreciate it. I know you don't need that, but it is the best. And I, I'm so thankful for you, Scott. So thanks again. I'm excited to dive into these league winners with you. You ready to get after yeah. it? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy. I, I hope you're not too nervous because you look so shiny right now. I don't know if your AC is broken or something, but. Oh, dude, it's brutal. The, the humidity up here in Mass is 
absolutely horrendous. And I always turn the AC off for the show. I remember last time, I, I think it was Joe Pieta who called us out. Like you hear that little buzzing in the background because I was dying. For whatever reason, every time you come on, it's like the hottest day of the year. I turn off the AC. It's brutal. I'm just it's the, it's the hottest day of the year because the takes are so fire. Exactly. I think that's exactly what it is. So hopefully I'll make it through this entire series. I'm definitely <laughs> drinking a ton of water because I am dying. I'm, thanks for pointing it out. I am absolutely sweating <laughs> over here. Yeah. Uh, Sorry to because the takes are going to be so heat for sure. Um, but yeah, let's just dive right in, Scott, and talk about you know the philosophy that you have. And it's one of my favorite ones. We're very aligned in this. One of your number one draft strategies is upside chasing. Uh, last year, we went into a ton of detail about what like the parallels between the stock market and fantasy football and all that good stuff. We don't need to go in quite as depth. If you're interested in that discussion, it's, it's pretty evergreen. Go check out last year's talk. It was amazing. Uh, but it still has those, uh, you know, tendencies and parallels that we can dive into a little bit. What is that kind of philosophy you've developed for fantasy investing? And, and how does that differ from your real life stock investing? Yeah, basically it's uh, so, so in investing, you, you want to, at least the, you know, Warren Buffett's, the Seth Carmen's of the world, the, the guys I look up to, uh, you really want to chase a margin of safety. You want to be, uh, more fearful of risk than you are enticed by gains. And in fantasy, it's sort of the exact opposite. It's you want to, you know, risk doesn't really hurt you much at all, especially in the later rounds. And what's going to decide your draft is just hitting on the relatively one, two or three uh, power law players. I talk about um, power law distributions in this article. Uh, an example I gave was, so in 2019, you could have the league worst starter at every position and Christian McCaffrey versus the QB five RB 10 and 11 wide receiver, 10 and 11 tight end five kicker, five defense five. And the team with McCaffrey in a league worst starter uh, won more games average, more fantasy points per game. And it's just hit. Uh, and, and Lamar Jackson was only a few spot was only a few percentage points behind him in terms of, helping you make it to your championship. Uh, and it's just the nature of the game, you know, hitting on ADP beaters at every position isn't going to help you as much. Your, your team's not going to be as strong as a team that, you know, whiffs on 80% of their picks, but really hits on three of them. Uh, and so that's just uh, basically the crux of the article. I put it out last year and I had some criticism I wanted to address. So this one's a little bit beefier, um, and, uh, and yeah, really, really happy with it. it. It's, it's an amazing series. And I do want to point out too, it is free as far as I could tell. I think I have a little yeah, free, it's free So everybody, if you haven't checked out fantasypoints.com, one, it's again, my favorite premium subscription. The first one I get to every single year, uh, but th there's a ton of great free stuff on there right now too. So you can see what you're getting there. This article being one of them, the next one we're going to discuss in a little bit, the league and league winner anatomy, some great free content. No reason to not go check it out. If you're tuning in here, fantasypoints.com. So such great stuff uh, there, but it is, it's almost like, I don't want to say discouraging, but it's kind of like we spend all this time projecting out every single player, every single team. And it really does come down to like, as you're saying here, two to three players every single year. The good news is you've gotten so good at identifying them and we're going to keep talking about what those players might be for 2021. But it is, uh, do you feel like as an analyst, does that like discourage you that it's only like truly just like three to maybe six players a year? Or is that like even more exciting? You're like, I just got to figure out who these six are going to be uh, each each and every year. No, that that's absolutely right. Like 
the one thing is like how many players actually matter for fantasy. I think the the true number would shock you. I think it's really like six to maybe 15 players in any given season actually matter. And, and yeah, so, so much of it is luck. So much of it is getting those right guys in a snake draft instead of an auction. You know, it's even more luck. Like, like I said, Christian McCaffrey was basically the deciding factor in 2019 leagues. And that was just all the, the, the cruel or benevolent hand of fate, your draft order, giving you the one Oh two spot. Um, yeah. yeah. In the article, I say, you know, there's basically no difference between the QB 12 and the QB 26. There's basically no difference between the RB 20 and RB 35, the wide receiver 50 and wide receiver 200. Like people are like, Oh, I want to get that guy because I think he could be a low end RB two and he's being drafted as an RB four. Like that doesn't even really help you your win at all. Like an, an RB two is basically worthless. You you really need to be swinging, swinging for the fences. Um, I said, I, I guess about round, what was it? Round seven in a 12 team league around eight in a 10 team league. I am just 100% focused on upside. I don't care about risk. Um, Absolutely. Um, and that's kind of leads into my, my next question. There is how do you chase this upside? Like we'll talk about identifying specific positions and traits, but like, do you, is it essentially every single round you're just swinging for the fences? Does it change by round? Does it change by league size? Or is it just every draft you enter, no matter what the format is, no matter the setting, whether it's best ball, anything of that nature, does that ever switch up for you, this philosophy? Or are you always just going for home runs? Yeah, no. So league type is massively important. I said uh, embrace the upside wins championships ethos, but on a sliding scale in relation to the quality and depth mm. of your waiver wire, because you have that safety net, that floor of the waiver wire to fall back on. That's exactly why you should be chasing upside. But the more starters, um, the more teams in your league, the deeper the bench, the more you have to account for, um, for risk, the more you have to account for depth and things of that nature. But in a typical 10 team ESPN league, which, you know, I don't play at all, yeah. but like, that's still what like, 70% of all fantasy players play uh, really just go all in on upside in a best ball league. No, no, the reverse is true. You know, drafting mm. a team of ADP beaters is what's going to win you that best ball league. I mean, upside still matters. I think um, Christian McCaffrey in 2019, again, he's just like the ultimate yeah. example, but it's, it's broadly true. Uh, he, you had a better chance of winning with McCaffrey in best ball than you did of having the RB2, RB3, and wide receiver one combined. Like, how insane is that? Uh, but, yeah, because there's no waiver wire, um, you know, depth really matters, safety really matters. Uh, but just talking start sit, and that's another thing with bell cow or bust. Like, I'm so bell cow or bust in start sit, but in a best ball league, I'm fairly zero RB. Mm. Um, I hate that, and, you know, I'll never do that really in a, a typical start sit, very rarely. But in a best ball, I, I think it's more optimal than than bell cow or bust. Yeah, absolutely, and that and that's a great point. Like, because again, in those shallower leagues, round ten, I love how you just clarify. Like, your wide receiver three is probably just as good uh, as the guy on the the waiver wire, unless you nail that high upside wide receiver three. There's going to be plenty of guys that bring you equal value to your lineup. Now, if it's a 14, 16, one of those crazy leagues, well, now you're, or those deeper, you know, FFPCs, the higher stakes, of course, those waiver wires are quite a bit more barren, right? And it changes there. 
But ultimately, you know, 10, 12, those standard leagues that aren't overly deep rosters, I'm with you. Uh, just swing for the fences on all of them. And that's kind of what I've embraced. Like, what's the point of coming in sixth place with a nice balanced, you know, a couple of good value picks? It's all about winning it. Like, that's what we're here for. And so you go for all those those home runs for sure. Um, before we move in, we're going to start talking about league winners, how we define them, how we hunt for them, you know, and especially what I think a lot of you guys are looking for, who are some league winners we have in mind for this year. But before we do that, if you don't mind giving this a thumbs up, if you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, wherever you're at, so greatly appreciated to help us get out to more people, free, easy way, retweet, shares, all that good stuff continues to help us grow what we're doing over at Roto Street Journal. So unplug, I'll do this entire time. Maybe when Scott hangs up, I'll do one more. But I just got to make that shameless little horish plug for as many likes as we can get out there uh, before we now dive into what the definition of a league winner is. So that's kind of how you start your article. I, and I love you know, the, the anatomy of a league winner. You got the picture of Justin Herbert, just get all the taped up and whatnot. Just a great Overall, again, I loved the series last year, but you definitely took it to another level this year. Um, and that's one of my favorite parts of doing my interview with you is because I reread them all and it's like in depth. And I just come away knowing so much more, giving it a second read, you know, really fine tooth combing it. Um, you kind of define you know, your methodology, your introduction, how you define it. So what do you consider a league winner? How do we know we've gotten a league winner? Yeah, so that's really tricky. Upside wins championships was basically my PhD dissertation on optimal drafting and fantasy. Like here's what you should do. And then there's all these unanswered questions that are just like so difficult to answer. Like, how do you draft a league winner? Yeah. What is a league winner? It's like, yeah, I it, hard, you, you know it when you see it and like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's unfortunately it's more luck uh, than skill. But a, as I've showed in the two follow-up articles, I do have a really good hit rate on identifying league winners, uh, you know, before the, before the start of the season. And then uh, this article, Anatomy of a League Winner, basically looks at all of the league winners over the past four seasons and trying to find common threads between them that tie them together that can be actionable for us heading into 2021. I defined it by looking at win rates. Uh, ESPN 10 team win rates. So mm -hmm. um, Christian McCaffrey in, in 2019, uh, you made it to the playoffs almost 80% of the time, just on that one player. Um, Alvin Kamara, his rookie season, 77%. James Conner, 2018, 76%. Um, Lamar Jackson, 69% that one season. Uh, and so just, just looking at these numbers and then trying to find common threads and, and the meaning behind it. I also did some positional analysis, which positions are the most important and why. Awesome. And so again, free, fantastic article. And we're going to kind of go over some of those traits, those trends by position, but obviously not as in depth as the article you could go find at fantasypoints.com. So make sure you guys go check out that incredible free series. Uh, it, it's been amazing. I, I think the quarterbacks are out as of now. I'm sure by the time some of you are listening, more and more positions will be out as well. And we'll start with the league winning QBs. So we said we've had great luck uh, so far. You've back to back years hit it out of the park. Lamar Jackson a couple seasons ago. Last year, Josh Allen was the first guy you brought up, followed by Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. We talked about a lot who both would have been league winners had the early season pace uh, continued to pan out what we had guessed would make them season winners was happening. And then of course, Dak got hurt. Russell Wilson, that, that kind of crumbled there. The defense got a little better. Schottenheimer went in his shell, all that garbage. Uh, but ultimately, we had the right players, and you, you've nailed quarterbacks so far. I don't know if that's your strongest position every single year, but on this show, at least, 
you continue to nail that one out of the park. So why don't you let us know, like, what are some things you look for in league winning QBs? And then who do you consider some potential options that fit that bill in 2021? Yeah, so the common threads I found from Anatomy of a League winner was a lot of these quarterbacks are drafted late. Typically, ADP is really bad at predicting uh, quarterback finishes. Um, And then, you know, even if you do uh, nail a late round quarterback, the value isn't incredibly high. Uh, Like Patrick Mahomes in 2018 uh, had a lower win rate than the Bears defense in 2018. Quarterback win rates are, are... just about neck and neck with defenses, which is like crazy. But the thing there is, you know, you're not going to be able to predict a league winning defense prior to the season. And there's the floor of streaming, which by the way, quarterbacks also have. So you kind of have a a set floor of QB seven, which again is why you need to be chasing upside. Uh, The Konami code is a massive, massive factor. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of league winning sophomore quarterbacks historically uh, a lot of quarterbacks fo- uh, following offensive play caller changes, um, you know, some buzz like Patrick Mahomes had an incredible amount of buzz. The team tra- traded Alex Smith after a career year. I see a lot of similar trends with sophomore season Patrick Mahomes and rookie season Trey Lance. Uh, mm. J- Jared Goff was surprisingly a league winner in at least two seasons. Uh, I like Stafford a lot, but yeah, my my big, you know, must draft quarterbacks this year who are my league winners i gave you lamar jackson as the most undervalued player at any position the closest thing i think we have to that right now is jalen hurts Mm. and the lamar jackson was the you know chosen one in terms of konami code production coming out of college but in recent years jalen hurts is the only one who comes close to him he Average 101.6 rushing yards per game his final season of college. Um, the fifth most fantasy points by N- any Division I quarterback over the last 15 seasons. And then last year, what did he do? He averaged 24.8 fantasy points per four quarters with 11.3 rushing. And then 25.9 fantasy points per game in games started and finished with 9.9 rushing fantasy points per game. For perspective, those would rank eighth best and fifth best all time. So he doesn't just have QB one upside. He has the QB one upside. He has historically great levels of upside. And then you factor in, you know, the added Devonta Smith, all the receivers were hurt last year. To me, it's just a matter of him holding on to that job. And if he holds on to that job, which I think he should, um, just really massive sky high upside. So I'm, I'm drafting him everywhere I can. You see with the top five quarterbacks there's they're golden they're all great picks like I love those guys usually you just laid out uh, a weight on the position but this year you know the top five are are great and Hertz is the first quarterback after that top five who has easy top five upside I love it yeah and especially the fact that he did the fifth best all-time type of stuff with a receiving core that racked up the third fewest yards among receivers last year, you add in the Heisman, Devonta Smith, and I'm not sure where you stand on him, but that man just can ball. He's he's a great route <laughs> runner. I love in your your post uh, post presser article, one of my favorites every year. You mentioned how Albert Breer like talked to all the executives, and they said the single hardest person to defend wasn't even a quarterback, wasn't any other position, it was Devonta Smith. Like, how do we stop this guy? I think he's still going to ball. Do you do you, what do you think of him at the the next level? Do you think he's going to 
continue? I mean, obviously not the college level what he was doing, but do you think he'll walk in and be like a day one wide receiver one for the Eagles? Yeah, I'd bet on that. I, yeah. I, I understand all the risks and I think they're fairly legitimate, but I would bet on him succeeding yeah. and transitioning fairly smoothly. Are we having uh, technical difficulties? I see you disappearing, but I don't know if that's just the way you have this screen set up. Oh no. I just sometimes will put on like the solo layout for when you're talking, like okay, sometimes okay. I'll just go solo and then bring you in when you're making some great points, might as well uh, let you continue to ramble there. So I'm not just nodding off like, Ooh, yes. <laughs> sometimes I get those <laughs> excited faces. People like to screenshot them. So I'm just hiding myself from my buddies really is what what's going on there. But yeah, Jalen hurts a great call. Uh, the new weaponry, the Konami upside is very, very real. And I love that they didn't really add – you mentioned that if, as long as he holds the job, he should be a league-winning quarterback. They didn't really add anybody. I know there was some rumblings that they could you – know, Joe Flacco, I mean, come on. Like, there's no way Joe Flacco. If that happens, then that, that's horrible. But he fits so many of those, those checkboxes. He's a sophomore. He has a new co- offensive play caller. He's got new weaponry. Like all those checkboxes you were saying, seems to me like it all adds up, and especially, as we said, the Konami code upside. I love, you mentioned Trey Lance. I think he's a great one. I really just like this rookie class in general. My personal favorite is Justin Fields, though. Ran that 444-40, only RG3, and uh, and Michael Vick have faster historic times there. So you know the Konami upside's there. Not a sophomore, of course. He's a rookie, but he walks into a great situation with Allen Robinson on one side. I think Darnell Mooney certainly got the short staff last year. So many times he was bursting wide open down the field and saw things sail over his head. They ranked top 10 in pass attempts last year with fucking Mitch Trubisky and, and Nick Foles. So if they're going to throw it nearly 40 times a game with those two, you've got to imagine the volume will be good there. I'm sure, it might take a game or two if they're truly going to be this committed to Andy Dalton. But in terms of the weapons, the Konami upside, and the fact that he was top five uh, in PFF's accuracy grade of the last five years, only was beat up by Mac Jones of this last class coming in, I think he's got it all, the arm, the legs, the weapons around him. So as soon as he takes over, and hopefully it's by week one, I think he's going to be a guy you get in. He parallels those kind of Mahomesian Lamars where you can get him around 14, 15, that type of value. Hurts is a little earlier, but still a great value where he's going like 9, 10 uh, there. But if you're going for even deeper, I like Justin Fields a lot. Do you think I'm nuts with that one? No, I certainly get it. Uh, you know, I could see him having like a Deshaun Watson type rookie season, uh, you know, off the charts, athleticism, you know, top three all time in speed score and 40 yard dash for a quarterback. Uh, I will just say like my tape guys, like my buddies who I trust the most when it comes to film, uh, do not think he's able to start right away. And that mm-hmm. really fits into my post-draft presser analysis where I don't know how you play Andy Dalton over him for longer than like one quarter, but they really seem committed to doing that Patrick Mahomes, you know, we're going to have him sit a year and then come in, which, you know, f- fits with the, the film analysis. I really hitched my wagon to, to Trey Lance though. He was the more productive Konami code quarterback in college. He has the, the, the better, sexier offense, yeah. uh, smarter head coach. Uh, I, I just think he's so set up for, for success, a great fantasy schedule. Uh, things like that. So he would be my my number two pick after after Hertz. Yeah, and I love that one too, especially in best ball, where you might not get him early, but he has the easiest playoff schedule as of right now among quarterbacks, depending on where you look for those types of things. I mean, his playoff schedule is an absolute joke. So if you're going for the big thing in best ball mania or one of those, he could be putting up 25-30 when it comes to that, that time of the year. So I absolutely love that one. The last QB I wanted to bring up, he's on your list. 
uh, of the underrated upside ones is Matthew Stafford, just because he does check a lot of those boxes of new play caller, uh, those weaponry, all that, especially because Sean McVay being that new play caller was just a couple years ago. He was the wonderkin of the, you know, the NFL, the next brightest star. And, and sure, they've taken a little bit of hit on offense, but they've still been top 10 every year under him. You know, they, yeah, they went from number one to number like seven or eight, whatever it might be. Now you get Stafford in there. I mean, that was with Jared Goff leading the charge. You've got to imagine they surrender two firsts to go get this guy. They really, truly have these massive visions for him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Stafford? Do you think he could end up – I know he doesn't fit the Konami bill, but he seems to check most of the other boxes. What are your thoughts on him going over there, especially with Akers now going down? Yeah, so th- so that definitely helps his his upside. Um, he's my favorite non-Konami quarterback at cost. Uh, I mean, look back at Jared Goff, who, by the way, isn't good. He was 24-7 and seven through his first two seasons. He ranked third in adjusted net yards per attempt. The season after that, he led the league in pass attempts. And then Sean McVay came out and said, okay, we think Matthew Stafford is two fa- first-round picks and a third-round pick better than him. And I'm not one to disagree. Uh, Greg Cassell, our guy, the best tape analyst in the game, he said that uh, – Matthew Stafford's MVP odds are still way too low and he has the fifth best MVP odds. So uh, yeah, I could definitely see him balling out in a big way. I love it. Yeah. I have him uh, scheduled for the most pass attempts projected uh, behind only Dak Prescott right now. And, and it, they're right neck and neck with about five in between each other. That was after the, uh, the, the post cam acres news. So I, I think he's going to huck it as much as anybody's got good weapons and a, a very smart play caller who clearly saw someone that, he thinks could unlock this offense even further after they've been top 10 every single year since he's been there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what that marriage ends up being, but pass. Yeah. I think he could lead the league in pass yards, maybe even pass TDs. And as you said, and I didn't know he had that fifth highest odds, but that's still, if Greg caught, you know, one of my favorite film guys as well, probably my favorite. And you guys have such a loaded cast over there at fantasy points. Uh, I, I, I can't, who am I to disagree with him? Absolutely. I'm, I'm fully there with you. What about running backs? So uh, similar to the quarterback position, uh, what are some trends that make a running back a league winner? And then who are some people you see checking those boxes at the running back position? Uh, yeah. So for, with the, the running back position, uh, you really want younger running backs. Uh, running backs hit their peak years, years two and three. And that's typically where we see the league winners. Um, there's, you want bell cows like we talked about. All the top running backs are bell cows. Uh, coach speak, I'd be careful not to dismiss, dismiss coach speak. There's a lot of cases where you know the coaches came out and told us, hey, this guy's going to smash, and then they smashed. Um, very volume-dependent position. Uh, typically avoid handcuffs uh, and targets. You really want a, a running back involved in the passing game. Like we said, uh, bell cow running backs. So for this article, because I'm going to do the bell cow report, I just excluded uh, the rounds one and four running backs. But by doing that, like I exclude all of my favorite running backs, because if you want a league winning running back, and by the way, league winners are predominantly running backs. That's the position that's typically going to decide whether or not you win or lose your, your championship. That's the most position in fantasy by a landslide outside of super flex leagues. And those running backs are typically only found in the first three rounds of the draft. So excluded rounds one through four, I wrote up Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, Michael Carter, and then the San Francisco running backs, and then a few handcuffs. And I like some of those a little more than the others. 
Do you have a personal favorite of that? I, I like every single one. I have all of them above ADP right now, including both San Fran guys. I'm not sure exactly which one I want. Do you, I, I'm with you on all those names. Is there one particular one you're like, that's my guy, no matter what, I got to go get him? Yeah, I will say um, I, I, I don't – I don't love the San Francisco running backs for start sit because I, I don't see bell cow upside, but they are just like incredibly uh, undervalued still. And especially in best ball, I have those guys in a ton of best ball leagues. I really mm. think they're just the Cleveland running backs, but at like a six round discount uh, could really see them San Francisco leading the league and rush attempts and rushing yards uh, from the running back position. Uh, and Travis Etienne, I don't know that he's my favorite, but for whatever reason, I just keep winding up with exposure to him. Uh, and, you know, he's not cheap, but I, we could see, I think, an Alvin Kamara type rookie season with similar usage. Like that's how he's deployed and he's, he's highly productive in that role. Um, so like, like Etienne a lot. I love him too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of those early guys, those like I know you said you, you don't go to them because that's the bell cow report, all that. But I just want to shout out a guy that I think checks a ton of the boxes that you brought up, and Antonio Gibson. Just because, you know, you cite, I love the stat that targets are worth 2.64 times as much as a carry in PPR leagues, uh, which makes obvious sense when you're getting a full point for the reception. The fact that this guy was a converted receiver yet continued to get taken off the field for J.D. McKissick on receiving downs seemed a little counterintuitive, but yet we saw him perform quite well, especially as he got more and more comfortable down the stretch as a running back. Double-digit rushing touchdowns, nearly five yards per carry. He, he seemed to really find his groove as the season went on, and you had a great tweet about how many more points. I forget the exact stats, but it was a, almost a touchdown more worth of points he averaged in wins versus losses, I think a lot more positive gaze scripts are going to be coming that way when you have Fitzmagic at QB. I really think this offense is going to take it to another level. They've all the coach speak, that coach speak box has been, he's a night and day, what he was last year, especially as a receiver, you know, we can kind of unlock him. I get he has a little toe injury, but all the reports were even with that, he was shining throughout OTAs and being used in much more creative ways. To me, he's kind of that round two, like late round two guy that I could see, Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, the Christian McCaffrey season. Uh, sure, it was nerve Turner, but he was learning under him there. Like, if anybody emerged as like a C-Mac type of monster out of all those sophomores going in that late round, DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins and all them, give me Antonio Gibson all day. I think he could absolutely smash. Do you have a a personal favorite of that those year two to three running backs? I mean, that one's that one's tricky just because there's so many to like. Although you know, we lost we lost Cam Akers sadly, ah. but yeah, the the Gibson argument is so easy. It's yeah. the guy was a wide receiver in college. This is his first time playing the position. And what did he do? 800 yards, 10, uh, 11 touchdowns in 14 games and not much as a receiver. And now like imagine, okay, you unleash this guy who was a wide receiver uh, in college as like in that McKissick role, who by the way, McKissick had like what 120 targets. He was basically Insane. used like a wide receiver and it just the sky's the limit. And we know Scott Turner, uh, he likes that bell cow workload. He likes the Christian McCaffrey type because it creates so many mismatches in the offense. You know, last year when you were lining up Gibson, they're like, okay, it's a run. You put in McKissick, okay, it's a pass. But he likes to keep defenses on their toes where it's, oh, now we're splitting Gibson out wide. 
it reveals a tendency that they're going to later exploit and uh, it's going to put them in a favorable matchup. So really just, you know, drool inducing upside. He could be, you know, Saquon Barkley type volume, but of course that's all a projection. That's all a hope, you know, could McKissin retain his role? God, I hope not, but, but it's certainly possible. Right. Yeah. That he, as you said, drool worthy, the amount of t- 11 touchdowns in that, like, you know, conservative attack last year too. That only they wanted to be conservative. They were hampered by their QB. Imagine what he could put up if this offense truly does. It, it was his first time playing the position and he right. was awesome. And you have to think he's going to be even better this year. So, and that's what all the coaches are saying. He's night and day and you already was awesome. So like, I can't, he's the one that I'm just, I don't have him the highest. Everybody has Taylor, the highest of those sophomores, but the one I'm most excited about and think yeah. could be like the best bet to beat Taylor would be Antonio Gibson for sure. What about with uh league winning receivers, kind of the same preface to all these, but you know, the trends and what you look for in a league winning receiver. I know it's a bit different uh, than the other positions, and is there any guys that are jumping to mind right away as league winners for 2021 at the wide receiver for you? Uh, Elijah Moore and Jacoby Myers in every single draft. Yes. Love it. Absolutely. What do you love about these guys? I, I'm with you, especially on Myers and Moore. I, you know, I, love, I love them both. I shouldn't pick one over the other. I'm with you on both those guys. But what do you love about them, and, and how do they kind of fit this league winner definition, and how do they fit like the, the check, how they check the boxes of the league winner for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, wide receiver was a little bit trickier. Yeah. Um, they tend to break out later in their careers than running backs. Um, their best two season stretch is years five and six. So, you know, I, I was saying, you know, maybe don't sleep on a Mike Williams who had great draft capital. Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker, Corey Davis all took some time to break out. Um, volume is very important, but efficiency matters so much more for wide receivers than running backs. You see a lot of cases where a wide receiver ranked highly in, in yards per target, but lowly in targets per game. And then the next year ranked very highly in targets per game and fantasy points per game. So you could see, you know, I don't know, Rashard Higgins ranked second in yards per target. Maybe he's a guy, I'm not really drafting him, yeah. but maybe he's a guy. Also ADP tends to devalue slot wide receivers unnecessarily a high percentage of league winners were slot wide receivers. Um, but anyway, yeah, Jacoby Myers, the, the bulk of the reason why I want to draft him is because I think there's a really good chance he's the starting slot wide receiver for New England. And Bill Belichick starting slot wide receiver has just been fantasy gold for the longest time. Granted, there's Tom, the Tom Brady effect, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker were no slouches. But uh, Myers is also freaking awesome. Uh, yeah. So after Edelman went down, he averaged 7.3 targets, 65.6 yards per game. That doesn't sound great, but remember Cam Newton was basically Tim Tebow last year. And so looking deeper into the more advanced stats, um, Myers was deemed open on 86% of his targets last year per PFF charting that ranked second best of 77 qualifying wide receivers. He ranked 12th in yards per route run, 25th in PFF grade. And unbelievably, from week seven on, he ranks second best in yardage share. Yardage market share is one of the best stats ever. And so he was just really the focal point of the pass attack. You just couldn't tell because there wasn't much of a pass attack. But yeah, really just looking at Bill Belichick's history, this could be absolute solid gold, even with you know an increase in 12 personnel. We saw Wes Welker get 169 targets with the bulk of those in the slot that big you know, Gronk and Hernandez year. And then uh, 
Elijah's just my guy, and he's he's just been my guy from the start. And then all these beat reports hyping him up as the next Antonio Brown. Uh, I love it. I think he's, you know, there's not going to be much of a learning curve with him. I think he can be a PPR cheat code from day one. He averaged like 10.8 receptions per game last year. And he's just a beast. And, you know, Jamar Chase is going, what, five rounds earlier. Devonta Smith is going four rounds earlier. So uh, I don't see much of a separation in terms of talent. Of course, I'm biased, but uh, should be, I mean, he's just a great value. I love all three of the uh, the big names we talked about there. Jacoby Myers, the yardage share argument. I, I didn't realize it was that high. That's insane. And sure, it wasn't much of a pass attack, but let's, you know, who knows? They, they're saying Mac Jones has a real shot at winning this job outright. Yeah. From camp. Like immediately that pass attack is t- 10 times more valuable than what it would have been from a passing game perspective if if it's not Cam Newton throwing him the rock. And even if so, it was Cam Newton's guy last year. He has that rapport. And he goes around 17. Like, what What more do you want there? So I'm 100% on board there. Elijah Moore, too. The hype train is insane. Uh, but it seems deserved. And, and you mentioned very pro-ready. We've seen that track record of the old Miss guys lately. They just come in and they just dominate from, from day one. And he's working his ass off with A.J. Brown. Like, I, I, I love it all. I love he's going out to dinner with Zach Wilson, like getting buttered up as quarterback. Like, they, they clearly have that bromance, which – Shouldn't be the reason you draft somebody, but at the same time, those little things can matter in a, a seemingly crowded competition. That might be the thing that pulls him over. Just they came in together, they're boys. Like he wants to feed his boy. I love that. And also Mike Williams, the other guy you mentioned, like he fits that bill to perfection as a guy that's like made these huge splashes, and we see these massive plays. I mean, every single catch I see from him, it's like he's leaping over somebody, three people over him, falls down, like breaks his body. It's insane what like he's he's doing on a day to day basis. But now they're talking about him playing that X role, you know, the, the higher percentage type of volume. So he probably will still go out and do all that, that great deep, you know, all the good deep work he does. He's got a great body for the red zone. He has all the draft capital, as you suggested. But now if he's put in a more higher, you know, percentage position, a higher percentage role, sure, we know Keenan Allen will be the Michael Thomas. Like he fits that role to, to perfection. But if they're giving Mike, you know, Mike Williams that type of volume too, I really, really like him. I, I think those three that you mentioned are the three guys I'm ending up with the most and all my drafts, you can get Mike, what, round 9, 10, maybe a little bit higher now. He's going to have to like creep up to round 8, but then the other guys, Elijah Moore, 10, Myers, 15, like good prices on them for the upside. I'm with you on all three of those guys. In fact, those those are three I want to talk about, so we've already covered all the league-winning receivers on the list. I don't really have many others to uh, add. Those are my three top choices as well, so I love it. Uh, we'll just keep cruising. This might be the fastest chat we've ever had, Scott. We usually yeah, dig in and dig in, but this is efficient, and, and it's good stuff, so I'm loving it. What about uh, tight ends? I know it's obviously there's there's very few compared to the other positions that end up being genuine, true season winners. But is there any trends to who those guys are? And is there anybody you're looking at that could be that in 2021? Yeah, I, w- I will just say the hit rate on the so, – so the tight end position league winners, it's typically tight ends being drafted like first, second, or third of the position or guys going undrafted. Um we saw that last year with Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon, Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. And then over a broader sample, just like Kelsey dominates, Waller dominates, yeah. Andrews. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah. So like a lot of the players who made that list, I think were obvious pre hindsight. Uh, Mark Andrews was my top sleeper in 2019. Darren Waller ranked right behind him. George Kittle was, Graham's top sleeper in 2018. Eric Ebron was Hanson's top sleeper. And those were all major league winning seasons. And then Travis Kelsey, you know, just 
Travis Kelsey every year. Why not? Um, but uh, yeah, typically for, for, for looking at uh, common threads, there, there really wasn't a ton, just sophomore tight ends. That's a big thing. That's their, they go from like 60% of their career baseline production to like 95%. So that's like a great time to jump on. It's just a massive jump uh, to jump on a, a, a sophomore tight end, maybe Adam Troutman or Donald Parham is a thing, you know, we'll see. Uh, but none of those guys are really on George Kittle or Mark, Mark Andrews, their level. They had historically great rookie seasons. Uh, you can look for coach speak. You know, John Gruden basically told us Darren Waller was going to lose his mind and he did, but that's about it. Tight end was tricky. Uh, I guess the guy I settled on was Logan Thomas. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I just keep drafting him and it's tough because I've even drafted him above Dallas Goddard and Noah Fant, who I, I also really love. I have them all closely grouped together, but luckily he's typically going like a round or two rounds later. Yeah. I mean, Darren Waller is probably the guy I'm trying to get at ADP, but uh, if not, Logan Thomas is, is uh, a guy I'm happy to settle on. Love it. Yeah. Mike Clay uh, was the last big wolf we had on uh, before you and he labeled uh Logan Thomas is his main tight end target, his main league winner as well. Uh, so two great minds being aligned there. Certainly doesn't hurt. Even more touchdown upside. Sure, Curtis Samuels there might eat into the target load a little bit, but I still think the quality of those targets can be that much higher if this offense is exploding. The, the way I, I get, I keep, I think Brian Fitzmagic, we'd already talked about league winning quarterbacks. I think he could be a monster. I, it was in your article, actually, I saw over his like last 23 starts, I think he's averaging like 22.3 points per game and only two quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and Mahomes had more than that or so, something wild of that nature in your, your article, which blows my mind. And I don't see why he, he won't continue to put up a ton of points when his situation's only better in Washington, more uh, faster paced offense, better weapons. I, I love him as well. And so if I love him as much as I do, uh, Logan Thomas is definitely big on that list. It, it seems to me too, a lot of the, the later round ones, it, the, the obvious ones, the Kelsey's, the, the Wallers, but then the, the Ebron's or, you know, the, uh, who else did we mention there? I mean, Waller when he broke out, Mark Andrews, when he broke out, a lot of that breakout seems to be just very touchdown. Tunyon we talked about, right? All, almost all touchdown related, 11 touchdowns for Tunyon last year. So I'm trying to think of like who might end up being one of those later round guys that's in line for, even if not a ton of yardage touchdowns, I love Troutman. I thought that was a great call. I also think Ferkser, I get that you're playing behind A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, but they love to use those tight ends in the red zone. At least Arthur Smith did. Who knows if that, that will continue over with the new play caller uh, this, this coming season. But he should be in line for a decent amount of scores if this offense is as explosive as it should be with those three big weapons. So I like Ferkser a bit as a potential you know, touchdown machine. But Logan Thomas at price is a guy that I, I am finding myself land a lot. Um, and Troutman too, that, that you already brought him up. Try, is there any other league winning tight ends? I'm trying to think if there's any other last minute guys that I'm like all in on that I keep getting, I forgot about. So within the quarterback position, it's careful to define quarterbacks as either a Konami code or a statue with running yeah. backs, either a bell cow workhorse or a, uh, a scat back or a handcuff. And then with tight ends, I've made the distinction of there's the oligarch tight ends and then everyone else, because there's no longer a middle class at the tight end position. It's just these two or three oligarch tight ends. I, mm-hmm. I was saying wide receivers masquerading 
as tight ends. And that's certainly the case with Kelsey, who runs 60% of his routes from the slot, never blocks. That's Darren Waller, who came into the league as a wide receiver. Yeah. That's, I think, already Pitts, who unfortunately is, is being drafted you know, at his ceiling, but uh, would have been a round one pick if he said, I refuse to play tight end. I want to play wide receiver. Right. Um, and then Kittle's a little tougher because he blocks in a high percentage of his plays because he's such a damn good blocker like Gronk was in his prime, but he's also, you know, one of the best tight ends ever after the catch. He's just a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm looking for that next Waller, let's say. And I think that's Logan Thomas, a hyper-athletic converted quarterback uh, who did really <laughs> was really great his first year actually playing the position. And, you know, the tight ends coach said, I, I think Thomas is already a top five tight end in the league. He was our most dependable player last year. So I could see a big jump for him. But another uh, uh, converted tight end is Tunyon, who was a wide receiver in college, mm. also hyper-athletic. And so he massively overperformed last year. Uh, you know, his touchdown due for a massive touchdown regression. The stats on him are, are actually really crazy. And a lot of that, of course, was Rodgers putting together an MVP caliber season. But here's some of the stats. So he finished as the tight end three, but he ranked 24th in targets. He had more touchdowns than he had incompletions thrown his way. It was the greatest season of all time by fantasy points per target. So we can look at it like wide receivers where, okay, hyper-efficiency lends itself more towards volume in the following season. And that's basically what Matt LaFleur said. He said, Tunyon's improved more than anyone else on the team since he became the coach. And he wants to feature him more in the offense in 2021. Maybe he's the number two receiver and uh, he's the next Darren Waller. That would be amazing. He, he really only played part-time last year, whereas that's a big reason to like Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas had the best, you know, route uh, and, and, and non-blocking volume of any tight end. He never stepped off the field. He was at, uh, a 91% snap share. Tunyon was 65%. So uh, who knows? I mean, he, he's a guy to consider. There's tight ends just really tricky. I also wrote up um, Tyler Higby, who was one of my guys last year. It didn't materialize. It's just the same argument for him. Goddard, Fant, you know, I can't not like those guys. Engram coming off of injury, Troutman. Um, yeah, and that's it. I, I love – I was going to actually bring up Higby because he was the guy we talked about last year, and obviously that one didn't fully pan out. But the argument's the same other than Gerald Everett's actually gone now. Like he's <laughs> yeah. completely removed. Uh, and I mean, those those splits we talked about last year, remember just two seasons ago when Everett went down, he was on pace for like – I think it was almost 200 targets, like 17 touchdowns, 1,600 yards. Obviously not a sustainable pace, but it was one of those things that just went and showed you. This guy could be a true difference maker. Now you get Matthew Stafford, an offense that I think is going to become even more pass happy with Cam Akers being out. I love Higby going, you know, right around tight end 9, 10, right around that Logan Thomas range. If I miss out on Thomas, I have those two neck and neck. I really, really like Higby and what he could do this year. He was the one I wanted to bring up. The only other one that we, we didn't mention, and he's old, so he could hit that cliff and just be completely useless. But Jared Cook I really am into Justin Herbert this year, chucking 40 touchdowns or so. And maybe it's Parnum. You said Parnum earlier, certainly younger, more athletic at this stage. But if it's not, if they went out and got Jared Cook and and Joe Lombardi coming over from the Saints, where we just saw Jared Cook, he's number two in touchdowns since he just 
went from the Saints those last three seasons, number two behind only Kelsey these last couple seasons. I, I think there is like 10 to 12 touchdown upside if he remains that main guy uh, and Justin Herbert takes off as much as, as I think he will. Is he too old for you or are you just like, eh, Cook's off my radar because of that? Or do you see any reason to go after him? Jared cooked. Yeah, yeah. No, I, think he's, <laughs> I think he's cooked. Um, so in FFPC drafts, uh, Donald Parham is going undrafted in basically every league. And so I'm drafting him in every league I'm doing. Mm. Uh, again, Waller-esque upside. He, he's 6'8 and 240 pounds and ran a 4.68 with a 39-inch vert. Like that's insane. And so he was a small school tight end. I actually played in the same conference as Adam Troutman, who I love. Mm. Troutman averaged 83.3 yards and 1.3 touchdowns per game in his senior year. Parham averaged 146.6 yards, nearly like twice as much, and 1.4 touchdowns per game. Somehow he went undrafted and then was the best player yep. in all of the XFL. Wow. Absolutely smashed, dominated, got like legitimate usage behind Hunter Henry last season. Uh, Trey McKitty's just a blocker. So I, he has that Waller upside. I, I don't know what that is. It, you could say it's 10%, maybe less than that. But at an ADP of free in a tight end premium uh, tournament style league, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to draft that every single time. I see that too, especially if Cook, again, I know I'm hyping him up, but he is older. And if the injury risk certainly goes up by the year, so let's say he gets hurt early season, week one or two, and it's just parm job the rest of the year. You probably rank him top seven of your rest of season tight ends should he be that lone pass catcher for all the reasons you just listed. So as a, a last round type of guy in best ball or in FFPC, all that good stuff, I totally see. I, I like them both just because I'm so high on that offense in general. I like them both. But if you, if you want to avoid Cook because you think he's cooked, I get that as well, uh, given his age. We will find out for sure. Well, that, that wraps up our league winner conversation here, which brings us to the final segment of our Wolves series, the no huddle offense, 20 rapid fire burning fantasy questions. I know this isn't your favorite style of uh, questioning, Mr. Barrett, but you willing to uh, rip through these with me and uh, give it, give it your go. Yeah. I'm just like the least clutch person in the world. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in line at Chipotle and then it's finally my turn and they're like, all right, what do you want? And I'm like, ah, so like, I, <laughs> I am so that's why I write articles is like, I'm, I, I, I feel like I gain 20 IQ points in my articles and I lose 20 every time I do a podcast, but, but yeah, let's, let's do it. Awesome. We'll, we'll go through it. If there's any that you're like, screw that question. I have no idea. Or <laughs> right, you could ask like, it, there's definitely some common answers to a lot of these as well, based on all the guys I've interviewed. So if you're like, Oh, what's some, some names that have been brought up, happy to give you a couple of sits too. If there's uh, any that are truly just mind boggling for you, but I think none of these are too, too crazy. I think you're going to knock some of them out of the park. So let's rip this, the no huddle offense, 20 rapid fire burning fantasy questions, starting with in order, the first three picks in every 2021 draft should be. Yeah, so that one's tricky. I mean, 101 is easily CMC, and then Cook is easily 102. I think 103 is tricky. I, I've been taking Kamara, but I think there's legitimate risk there. Uh, Drew Brees targeted running backs more often than any other quarterback in the league. And, you know, Winston was at 16% or lower over his last three seasons. He only really targeted quarterbacks his rookie year. And then with Taysom, you have the Konami code thing. Konami code quarterbacks never target running backs. But I think it's just – Sean Payton's scheme and he's going to get the ball to his best player. Uh, so I have him 103, but I, I'm interested to hear your, your answer. 
I actually go Henry. I have the same first two, and then I go Henry. Uh, even though the, the pass catching upside is so limited there, uh, I just think the touchdown upside. I mean, at 18 in last year's offense, and if Julio takes this thing to another level, I, I think it, even if the rushing yards go down a little bit, the workload goes down a little bit. I yes. see him scoring 20 touchdowns. <laughs> so, so the concern with him is he's so game script dependent uh, because he's not a bell cow, because he's a non-factor in uh, the passing game. So over the past three seasons, he averages 11.6 more fantasy points per game and wins than losses. And when Tennessee loses, he's basically unstartable. He averaged 10.5 fantasy points per game. So Vegas is predicting uh, Tennessee to, to win only. So last year, the, the um, dramatically overachieved, they won 11 games, just 2.5 more than Vegas expected this year. Mm -hmm. Vegas is predicting nine wins. And so if that's correct, and we use the splits I just referenced, uh, he should fall from 20.9 to 16.6 fantasy points per game. <laughs> and then if they fall, you know, two wins short of that mark, it's just 15.3 fantasy points per game. So that's a, a massive difference. You really need Ryan Tannehill to one, stay healthy, two, to keep pushing Mahomesian levels of efficiency. And you need Arthur Smith not to be right. this mastermind evil genius behind the team's recent success. And I think he might, that's one thing I, that's probably the biggest concern I have is Arthur Smith leaving. I think he is a, a highly underrated coach. I think he's going to do some great things in Atlanta. I don't know what their season win totals at this year. I like Arthur Smith a lot. I think that that's a bet. I'm probably going to hammer the Falcons for the, their wins. I have a lot of friends who are like way smarter than me with the deep X's and O's and film stuff. And one of them said, Smith is, a top three scheme guy in the NFL, but he's like a bottom six play caller in the hmm. NFL. I don't know what that means. I don't know the implications <laughs> there, but that's just what I was told and thought it was interesting. That is interesting to know. Yeah, absolutely. Next question, <laughs> rapid fire, but you can, I, I, I'm happy to dig into them all with you as much as you'd like, but Travis Kelsey should go no later than pick number. Yeah. Like, like five in best ball and like, 11 redraft. Love it. Next Mahomes. We kind of talked about this, but the next Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen will be. Uh, Jalen Hurts, then Trey Lance, then either Saints quarterback is, is how I would have it. Love it. Veteran who gained the most value this offseason. Uh, I guess Stafford. We talked about Stafford, probably Stafford. Love it. Veteran who lost. What's your answer? Value. I like Mikey Davis. I think the fact that he was going to go from a backup running back to like nobody to potential bell cow for Arthur Smith. I, I like Mike Davis to be a potential, uh, the guy gained the most value in my eyes. Yeah. What about who lost the most value for you? Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess Melvin Gordon. Yep. He's, he's a very common one. James Robinson's the other one that it's either yeah. Melvin Gordon or James Robinson is the one. Is he a veteran? How, how do we define veteran? Just non rookie. <laughs> That's the other question we always get asked. I guess like a non-rookie essentially at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, either of those two, but I agree. The rookie 101 should be. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and Superflex probably. Uh, Pitts and tight end premium. And then either Howard, Harris or Chase in a typical league. I'd, I'd, I'd lean Harris. The biggest rookie flop is going to be? Ooh, uh, I would say Bateman. Bateman, gotcha. It's just, I mean, the added uh, more weapons, that was a typically concentrated offense. Now there's Sammy there and Bateman. And, you know, it's not really 
a very attractive pass offense anyway. So uh, I, I just have a hard time imagining him to have too much success throughout the remainder of his rookie contract. Gotcha. Current NFL player that you hate the most. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really hate anyone. <laughs> I tried to think of players who have burned me in the past, but there's, um, there's no one I hate. It's all like, like Kenneth Dixon. And I'm just like, so sad for Dixon. Like, I know. just needed to stay healthy. Oh, so sad indeed. Who's the mid rounder that you think ascends to the early rounds in 2022? I will say I, I hate <laughs> the wide receiver position. Like I hate, wide receiver personalities. They're all like divas. And then although like, I love CB one personalities, even though they're all like obnoxious dicks, like I, I, they're not, they're not whiny, sensitive divas. They're just, I don't know. It's like badass when a cornerback like snatches Michael Crabtree's chain off his neck and something like that. So, so I'll I'll just hate the wide receiver position in general. Um, And then a free agent who crushes, his new home, oh, yeah. a la Stefan Diggs. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess Galladay. I, I just think he's an underrated talent. I also think, you know, where he excels as a uh, jump ball receiver, I think that is Daniel Jones' game to a, a level. I love it. Yeah. And that, that could end up also being your mid rounder that ascends to the uh, 2022 early rounds. I, I see that for sure. Um, and he's going, yeah, six, seven. Could totally be it. What about an early rounder, one or two that busts the hardest this year? Yeah, it would it would either be Chubb or Henry. And it's just um if if this team loses two fewer games, three fewer games than than last year, that's that's a massive difference in terms of the value you're getting. There it's just it's just really hard for Chubb to be an RB1 while seeding 50% of the snaps to Kareem Hunt. You really need perfect positive game script. Um, so, I mean, sh- sh- if everything is the same, yeah, they'll, they'll smash, but they, they need a lot to go right to, to maintain the production they gave us last year. I see. We already talked, we had this whole thing about league winners. So uh, you can go with anybody we've talked about, or if there's any names that we, we didn't discuss, you want to toss out there, but who do you consider a league winning late round running back receiver or tight end? Um. Wait, did you ask me? Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, can you ask that one more time? I'm sorry. Yeah, just I, I know we had a whole podcast on league winners, so it seems a little bit redundant here. But is yeah. there any like late round league winners? Uh, either we already set them, or that you want to? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of covered everyone. Yeah, we already we, we hit a million there. So didn't know there's any new names to toss out there. Uh, what about most important training camp story or battle you're going to be monitoring? Yeah, as starting slot wide receiver in New England and Carolina. Sam Darnold, you know, maybe it's maybe it was I mean, it, it predates Adam Gase and it actually goes all the way back to college, but he's always locked on to his his starting slot wide receiver. So I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see who that is. I think it might be Robbie Anderson, in which case he's a massive smash value because you know he's already a value in terms of last season's production versus current ADP and then add in, he is the only receiver with an established rapport with Sam Darnold. And then if he's the slot, I mean, and, and look at Joe Brady's slot in yeah. college, Justin Jefferson. So, um, so yeah, hopefully Jacoby, if not, if it's Nelson Aguilar, I am fine pivoting to Nelson Aguilar, but uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Monitoring those slots. I love it. 
The sophomore RB you want the most and least, at least can't be James Robinson. That's too easy. So, All right. I, I would say, yeah, to, to make it hard on myself, I'd say I'm not going to end up with a lot of Jonathan Taylor, which is such a shame because I love Jonathan Taylor. It's just, I mean, he smashed last year, but it was on 55% of the snaps. It was on low-end RB2 volume. And so you're betting on efficiency, which, I mean, he's awesome. So he's probably going to continue to be efficiency. But I, I just, I don't, I worry about, is he going to get a bell cow workload or are we going to see Naheem Hines steal targets and then Marlon Mack possibly even mix in? And then, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go with Gibson. I love it. He was yeah. one of my guys last year and, you know, especially from a dynasty perspective. So what's changed? No, nothing's changed. Everything just looks even rosier than it did last year. Absolutely. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay? Um, I want to say yes. I want to. I want to say, but I don't know if that's just like because it's more exciting. I will say if you look at Denver's odds versus Green Bay's odds to start the season, Denver like had like 19th best odds to win the Super Bowl, and now they're like ninth. Ooh. And Green Bay has actually fallen a bunch of spots. So, so Vegas might know something we don't. And there's a lot of math to it too, where it doesn't seem that shocking on paper. I mean, you know, he's a prima donna. He rubs people the wrong way. He's not happy. Uh, he's expensive. He's aging. He only has, he has a few years left in his deal. He drafted his replacement placement and maybe they want to be able to get something for him and he might be better off. I, I think that's not likely, but it's, it's certainly possible. And they could definitely be thinking all those things. So if he's gone, who do you think the first wide receiver owner should draft is? Probably Tyreek. I agree. Is there a player you'd least there's like? Just a, there's just a, a lot of untapped potential with Tyreek. He's not at all maxed out in terms of volume. Yeah. He's still pushing, you know, top three wide receiver production on like high-end wide receiver two volume. So we, we've seen that for like four week stretches at a time. We saw that last year prior to a minor injury and like, okay, give him low end wide receiver one volume and just like no one's touching him. He, he might yeah. be the most talented, the toughest to defend wide receiver in the NFL. I, I think so at least. I love it. Who's the player you'd least like to fight? Least like to fight uh, like um, Aaron Donald. He's pretty uh, pretty unanimous. Other than uh, Ian Harditz went with a kicker because he's like everyone expects Aaron Donald to kick my ass, but if Justin Tucker comes and lays me out, then I'm I'm toast. So <laughs> two two Atwell like, maybe. Who, which one? <laughs> two two Atwell. Yeah, <laughs> like 150 pounds. Like <laughs> I love it. Uh, what's the most intriguing coaching hire? We got two more here. Yeah, it's Arthur Smith. Love it. And who? I guess we had three more. Sorry. Who do not leave drafts without this year? Yeah, a bunch of the guys I mentioned. I have so much Jacoby and Elijah at the wide receiver position. Um, ideally, McCaffrey. Ideally, never leave a draft without McCaffrey. Um, yeah, a lot of Jalen Hurts, a lot of Lance, a lot of Winston and Taysom. If I only have one of those first two, um, to- Logan Thomas quite a bit, and then. There's the bell cow article. I'll talk about all those running backs. Can't wait for it. And your boldest 2021 fantasy fo- football prediction for this year. Oh man. I I'm sorry. I know this is like the most important question or the best question, but uh, I just can't answer it right now. I have to write uh, my five boldest predictions for the season article before the season starts. So 
I'll save it for that just because right now I don't, I don't know what's, if I have a good answer. Awesome. Uh, well, Scott, just to kind of wrap up here, I always like to ask people, uh, is there, do you have like a, anyone you consider like a role model in the industry that you've looked up to during your ascension and somebody you try to model yourself after in a, in a way? Uh, yeah. Uh, JJ Zacharyson gave me my start in the industry. So, you know, a lot of what I am as an analyst is thanks to him. And the same thing for Mike Clay, who was my editor for a year at PFF. And, you know, he had quickly ascended to ESPN and I was like, Oh, like he, he carved out a great, great, you know, path for me to follow. And I kind of try and keep the same thing where, you know, there's no bullshit on my Twitter feed. I, I don't talk about politics. I don't, yeah. I don't even really crack jokes. I just like stick to the stats and things like that. And uh, I used to try and write articles like Matthew Berry with like a super long, funny introduction and like no one gave a shit. And I think Mike Clay was just like, you know, that works for Matthew Berry. It doesn't work for anyone else. And so he's just like bare bones intros, get to the point. I do the same thing. And then Matthew Berry has just been a, a friend and, uh, you know, really helped me a lot, a lot of tough decisions throughout my career. He's, he's played a mentor role. So, so those three guys I would say are, are the biggest ones. Love it. Love it. That podcast you guys recently did, you and uh, Graham with JJ was awesome. By the way, I listened to that earlier today. Great stuff. Two bars podcast for anybody listening. Make sure you guys check that out. How's that rap song? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Uh, and then your underrated fantasy sleeper analyst to follow, whether it's somebody from fantasy points or just somebody in general that you, you really like and respect that you don't think has the following they deserve. Yeah. So you definitely don't have the following you deserve. Uh, well, I'll you. say what. Wes Huber doesn't do a lot on Twitter, but he is my favorite analyst. He's just so smart. We, he, he worked at PFF for like a decade and he just so knowledgeable, but the X's and O's, his DFS work on specific matchups, you know, players who dominate against man cover three. It's just like gives us such a huge, massive edge for DFS and the results spoke for themselves last year. Yeah. And then two younger guys, Jeff Henderson, who created one of my favorite stats, War. It's like yeah. a VORP uh, value over replacement player on steroids. And then Jake Tribby is a young guy uh, we hired. I, I feel really good about, um, you know, a little raw and inexperienced, but tremendous work ethic. And he, he's already like written great pieces. He's, he's grown by leaps and bounds. So check out all those guys at Fantasy Points. Awesome stuff, Scott. And just we'll wrap up with a reminder of where to find you and your work and connect with you. Yeah, Anything Scott, else you like the promo too. <laughs> no, that's it. Scott Barrett, at Scott Barrett, DFB on Twitter. Fantasy Points, use promo code 21BARRETT10 to get 10% off. And uh, thanks for having me, man. Awesome. It's always a pleasure. Always, if not my favorite, it's always my favorite show. I hate to say it because I know other people, other guests might be watching, but it's always a pleasure. Again, as I said at the top, no one's done more for me so far in my career. So couldn't be more appreciative of you. I look forward to one of these days, maybe not in the heart of the off season, but uh, when things are a little calmed down, I want, I want to do a show sometime and talk about some of the cool stuff you're doing beyond the fantasy world. I know we've talked in our DMs about screenplays and things like that. There's a whole world of Scott Barrett that, that I want to learn more about. I think people would want to learn more about too. So maybe in the, the very calm of the off season early this year, we can maybe dig into that a little bit more together. That'd be awesome. That sounds good. Awesome, Scott. Well, thanks again so much for your time, for all your insight, your generosity. I'm going to sign you off here. I'm going to answer all the rest of the questions, but really, really appreciate everything you've always done, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. We'll pack and let me get on to your questions here. Um, there we go. All righty. Uh, 
We got a dime is better than two nickels. I think that's somebody uh, shouting out an ar- a line from Barrett's article over there, which I 100% agree with. Uh, and, and it's kind of the, the way it's summarized there uh, for F. Sadiq is you, you can have these two middle round guys, but you really want that 10. You can have a couple fives, but it doesn't always add up to that 10, that genuine league winner, that, that those three to five guys we find every year. I absolutely agree with that. So thank you for reminding us of that awesome time. Um, so, yes, I, I love that quote. One of my favorites from the uh, articles, which, again, are free on Fantasy Points. Uh, so, awesome. One sec. Yeah, you, Scott, you, can, uh, you don't have to hang around, man, man. I appreciate you, but uh, <laughs> feel free to uh, head on out, man. I see you in the uh, lobby there. <laughs> um, what else do we got here? Uh, Mohammed, James Conner to be a league winner again. Really, Mohammed? That's an intriguing one uh, that I did not expect. I haven't personally – I mean – He's got the touchdown upside. He could be the big back. We know Edmonds has, what, one career goal line carry, I think it is. So there is some real touchdown upside. But as long as Edmonds is healthy, I don't know that Connor is going to see nearly enough volume to be a league winner. Edmonds has his own injury concerns, but so does Connor. I, I see that being a committee, and, and I, I'm pretty down on Edmonds myself, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm loving Connor either. They just – Kyler Murray runs so many in from the stripes. So I don't know that I agree there. But I'd love to hear your case if you're still with us, Mohamed. Uh, on that. And Tannehill, I totally agree. I can totally see that one. Sneaky Konami upside. He had six, seven rushing touchdowns uh, last year. And then you give him Julio Jones. I mean, he's been a top seven quarterback for three straight seasons, as Scott mentioned earlier, QB three when he took over in 2019. So there is some real upside. My one concern is what we talked about with Arthur Smith gone. Is that going to you know regress the efficiency there? Maybe, but I, I love the weapons. Uh, it's going to be tough to stop that offense if Tannehill continues that efficiency even without Arthur Smith. That's the one concern I have about him. Worried about Nate Sudfield? Uh, no, I don't. Why would I be for for Jalen Hurts? I mean, the, the, the end of the season when they put him in, that was just BS. Like I, I don't see that happening ever again. Uh, and it's new staff and everything too. So no, I'm not Ike at all. Uh, quick explanation on why to avoid handcuffs? Asked Jesse Dodson. I, I'm actually not in the boat. I, I I don't know if Scott is, and I apologize if that was meant for him, but I do want to strike this time and let him get out there. We already went over an hour. Uh, I typically, it depends on like best ball versus that, because best ball, you're trying to give yourself the most upside to win, uh, in addition to floors, and, and taking up a roster spot with someone that's not going to matter unless your main guy gets hurt. Well, you're probably not going to win it anyways if your main guy gets hurt. So I get it in those type of formats when you can't really control your, your lineup and all that. I don't know that I hate it in – in uh, regular season. I know a lot of people have some great analysis on why, you know, the hyper fragility, all that stuff. But I, you know, if I have a guy like, let's say Saquon, and he's already come out and said, I might not be ready for week one. Well, I'm going to make sure I go get Devin Booker with my last pick. Like I, I'm not in the, the boat of avoiding handcuffs unless it's a very shallow league, like a 10 team league uh, with very shallow rosters. Otherwise I really like getting my insurance policies. So Jesse, I'm not there uh, in terms of avoiding it myself. So in Superflex, also QBs can be a league winners. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, when we were talking earlier that there's not that many league winners. Uh, th- those stats were based off of, for quarterbacks, that is. Those stats were based off single quarterback leagues because they're so easily replaceable. Even Mahomes in the most points ever by a quarterback, as Scott was saying, was right around the same page as the, the Chicago Bears that year in terms of value and, and championship level. But in Superflex, when it thins out, 
your the supply demand argument goes out the window rather than just only 12 being started every week you're starting 24 now they become just as if not more valuable than bell cows a little bit more depth to the talent pool i'd say at quarterback than there is running backs and there's a big steeper drop off at the running back position where there's about 20 quarterbacks 25 quarterbacks that i really love there's probably really only 10 to 12 i can see being rb1s 20 to 25 i really think genuinely have top 12 quarterback arguments so in superflex that argument does change for sure, wonder kind. Um, in auctions, do you think grabbing two elite RBs and a second tier guy is a must? I love doing that, Sam, as we talked about at Barrett's article. Check it out again, fantasypoints.com. The 10 of the like top 15 league winners have been running backs. And they are typically, you know, 60% of them have been those most expensive guys in the first couple rounds. If you can find another guy a little bit later at a better value, amazing. But typically, it, it, those guys are, are monsters. And that's what you have to get. So I... I'm with you. I, that's what I do most seasons is I, I go for the McCaffrey. I go for that main guy. And then I try to get the yeah, Derek Henry to go with him. And it, it costs a lot. As you're saying, just spending 60% of your budget there. Like I've gone 70, 75% just to get those running backs and then fill it in with like a last year it was Calvin Ridley. I had, and it obviously panned out Robert Woods, those $10 receivers. Once people are, are kind of blown their money, that's kind of what I do. I think you can always find re- receiver value in auctions. Love blowing my my money to go get those running backs. So yeah, sixty percent at least. I'm I'm down for Sam for sure. Uh, should we stay away from the Patriots tight end room at all? It's tricky because they use their tight end so well uh, historically. But that was with Tom Brady at quarterback, not Cam Newton or a rookie Mac Jones. And that was with two unbelievable talents in Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. So I think they'll be used creatively, but I'm avoiding them personally because I don't know that you're going to ever have a sense of which one it's going to be. If there's going to be one, it'd be John who got more money, more creative usage. He seems to be that, that more Aaron Hernandez role to me. Uh, but I'm avoiding them myself. I don't think we're going to ever have consistent, dependable value that you want to start. Um, Albert Wilson, wide receiver one, Jesse. Yes, a monster. I remember a few years ago, he was getting insane hype. Should I reconsider keeping JT or move him? Uh, what's the price, Daniel? I, he's still a stud. I know we mentioned like he's one of the early rounders we're a little lower on uh, because of the Naeem Hines argument, because of the Marilyn Mack coming back. It, but still, he's a special talent. They've already come out, Frank Wright's already come out and said, this is his job. Uh, he's earned it. He's going to get the first crack. But then the, that same breath, they mentioned the hut hand, if Marlon Mack met his better matchup and things like that. It does make me nervous compared to like those elite bell cows, but he's still right in my top 11, 12. I prefer Eckler myself uh, if I'm going you know, in a vacuum between the two. I like the Eckler's shot at being a true bell cow over him, um, which is crazy because he's an absolute stallion. I have no doubt in JT as a player. If you guarantee the role he had down the stretch, he shouldn't go any later than number three. But I am a little bit wary of Frank Reich for sure. Mark H, 12 teams, super flex draft. Brady and Mike Davis for Javante Williams, a fair trade. Uh, yeah, I, I would want the Javante side more likely than not. Now, if I'm win now and Brady, you know, it depends who the drop off is after Brady, uh, at, at who's going to be filling your super flex. But in general, I think Javante has every bit of upside, as much upside as Mike Davis in a redraft league. This year, and I like Mike Davis this year. I think Javante could easily outscore him then, but I think you could have 10, 15 seasons of a, an unbelievable bell cow potentially. Pat Shermer's a bell cow breeder over there in Denver. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers goes there. Uh, the guy broke the metric for broken tackles by PFFS. I, I really, really like Javante. He's my favorite potential uh, potential Javante. I, I think he's my favorite running back of this class. We had four. I love Najee long term. 
because of the workload he's coming into. But as a sheer player, Javante is something special. So I would do that unless the drop-off from Brady is huge. But to me, that that would be almost a no-brainer smash. Uh, first time, Sam. First time watching a great show. New follower. Hey, hell yeah, man. Appreciate you tuning in. Thank you, Barrett, if that's what drew you over in here to getting a new follower. I'm glad. I, I'd love to we, – we do the Q&A at the end of every time, so keep the great questions coming. I uh, appreciate you tuning in. Um, okay, I'm going to bring this down to the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, thanks, DiLorenzo. Appreciate that. Uh, which dart throw would you roster, Pirine or Darrington Evans? Ah, man, that's a tough one because I actually do like them both. Pirine had like a 19-point fantasy day when he became the starter, when Gio, Gio Bernard was hurt, when Mixon was hurt. He did some damage as a, a total complete back. I think he'd probably get the first crack. It's the same staff. I do like Chris Evans a lot. So that might end up becoming more of like an early down pre-Pirine. And then Evans coming in as a third down. They, they said he's the most talented pass-catching running back they've had on the roster. That was with Gio Bernard there last year. So I like Evans even more than either of these guys. Um, I like them both. I, I would put – when I say Evans, I mean Chris Evans. I think I like him more than Darrington Evans. But I do like Darrington a lot just because you've seen these arguments of Derrick Henry's workload. And if anything happens to him, there's nobody else there. Well, yeah, and they're already talking about using Darrington Evans as a, a Kamara-type rollout. Of course, he's not going to be. Uh, and that's – oh, and it's LaMichael Pirine, not Samaje. We're really getting sickening. I, I'll go Darrington. Then. I have no interest in LaMichael. They're saying he's running behind Ty Johnson. Give me Ty Johnson. I think Ty Johnson, I mean, when he's gotten volume, he's done good work. And they've already talked about him being in the starting mix. He's my favorite late-round uh, running back dart throws, Ty Johnson, like we're talking 20 round drafts really liked him as a, a throw there, but I, I prefer Darrington Evans for sure over, um, over the Michael P Ryan for sure. Thoughts about Zach Moss and a keeper league and limited spots. Is he a hold? Maybe depends on the price you paid and are you gaining any value? Wouldn't consider him a must hold by any means though. They're already saying, you know, he was banged up in OTAs and Devin Singletary came in and beefed up and looked really like jacked and running all over the place. I do think I'd rather have Moss, but either way, I don't see this becoming like the Zach Moss show. I think that's going to still be a 100% the Josh Allen show. And you and that includes at the goal line, right? So I, I don't love him. Um, there, there are the rumblings that, you know, Joe Bashuli, a great athletic reporter, did say he expects Matt Moss to potentially take over a 60% role. Now, if that happens, then yeah, he's going to be a great value in round 10. And this is going to be a top three offense in the league again. And any running back that's going to get meaningful volume there matters but the fact that Singletary showed up the way he did and then Moss has already been banged up I hate that start it's early I get it he's not a must keep by any means but it depends on the price if you're getting him around like 15 16 you have no one else like sure but I, I, I'm not die hard on him you're welcome Mark uh, and glad they're your new subscriber I really appreciate that thank you uh turn those bells on we go live a couple times a week and uh, as the summer goes and we get training camp, we're going to go live almost every night to break down the news. Uh, so looking forward to that. I'm happy you're around. Appreciate it. Uh, you're the fucking man, Wolf. Thank you, Jesse. You're the fucking man, too. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, and DiLorenzo, LaMichael, not Samaj, as we saw. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks again to Scott Barrett, fantasypoints.com. So many of his most valuable stuff. These, I mean, all his stuff is insanely valuable, so I don't mean to rank one over the other. But – one of my favorite series, he does these league winners we just broke down, are all for free right now on Fantasy Points. So even if you don't pay for it, and I, I, it's the first subscription. I say that very genuinely. I do every year. My favorite new upstart site. Would highly, highly recommend them. They helped me tons in DFS last year in addition to everything else that they do. Love those guys. Um, 
Oh, we got a reminder of where to find you and your work. Don't need that on there anymore. But I love Scott. Nobody's done more for me in the industry. What a great guy overall. Um, so thanks again, Scott. Thank you guys for tuning in, whether you're live with me here or catching the replay. So greatly appreciated. Uh, likes and subscriptions are free and easy way to support us and are so appreciated if you're willing. If you think this is valuable, hitting that bell so you know when we're live. We'll always answer your questions at the end of the show, uh, even if we have a big name guest. Once they sign off, we'll be there for you. So thanks again so much, guys. It's so greatly appreciated. You can find all our stuff at RoadStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. I'm at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter. DMs are open if you have anything. Please, be by all means, find us. Yes, so Mark, I hope I answered that for you, RoadStreetJournal.com. We do have an app as well, and I love the app. It's still not nearly at the level we want to be, but a nice, clean way to consume my rankings. My The stock watch, RoadStreetJournal.com slash stock watch is where all our news is. Of course, YouTube uh, and Twitter, again, at Roto Street Wolf. You can find me there, as you see on the um, bottom line there. So thanks again so much, guys. So greatly appreciated for your great interaction. Great questions. We'll be live on Monday with Peter Overzet and then continuing with Fantasy Points on Wednesday with Graham Barfield next week. So a loaded next week. I cannot wait to hit that with you. So till then, in a world full of fantasy sheep, be the wolf. I'm out, guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd. Take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.